right, we are officially back. Welcome back, everybody, to the J Podcast. I'm your host, Jahans Maniga, Canadian Red Bull, if you remember. Uh, coming after a tough Creighton loss, we're going to get into all of that. But before, make sure you like and subscribe for all your Creighton content. And also make sure that you follow all of our other hosts on the field of 68 Media Network, uh, doing their things, representing for their alma maters the same way that I am doing today. This is episode 005, the fifth episode of the Welcome to the J podcast, and we have a very special guest today. He was a All-State high school player in the state of Missouri, scored 38 points in the Class 5 District 11 championship game. His 705 points as a senior is a high school record. Uh, he had a career-high 21 points versus Tulsa in 2012. He's a member of one MVC regular season championship team for the Jays and two MVC tournament championship team for the boys. And he's most likely the best dresser that we've had on the pod so far. The pride of Branson, Missouri, Mr. Tax himself. <laughs> Welcome to the I appreciate pod, it, my bro. man. I appreciate the nice words. I'm fired up to be on the pod. Yeah. Um, whenever I saw that you were going to be hosting the pod a few weeks ago, I was all excited, fired up, and I have been waiting next to my phone for the text to be on it for the last few weeks. And I know there have been a few other guests. I'm not going to go into it before me. Uh, but if we went a couple more weeks without me being on the pod, then we might have had a problem. So I appreciate is, it. I'm fired up. The second I texted you, within 20 seconds, there was an answer back. Yes, absolutely. Yes, I need to be on the podcast. So you're a man of your word for real, for real. Live from the box, Branson. I just got back about two hours ago. I've been out of town, but right when you texted me, I said, there's no chance I'm not going to be on this podcast. How's so, Branson treating you right now, brother? I know it's been kind of it's, a crazy time, but how have you been doing? It's been a crazy time, but Branson is its a small town. It's kind of spread out, and so the virus hasn't really been too prevalent here. And so um, we've been working the whole time. Not too much has changed. Restaurant stuff have been open the whole time. So it's been good. Um, I've just been traveling a lot, working a lot. Um, not too many people my age here in Branson. So that's kind of the challenge. It's just mm -hmm. kind of on an island, but I love my job. I'm close to my family. So that's the most important thing to me. So we make it work. How are you doing? What's going on over in Lithuania? Man, I'm doing good, man. Just trying to stay out the way. Uh, our whole team got hit with COVID a few weeks ago. We're finally getting back on track. We've played Did you four have games. It? Yeah. Oh, I had it bad. So, it was what were really, your symptoms? I wouldn't wish it on my worst enemy, brother. I I had the worst headache I ever had in my life. I was bedridden for about like two days, like only got up to go to the restroom and back. That's it. Yeah. I lost all my appetite, probably lost a few pounds too. Um, Did you have a fever? A pretty big one, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. it's interesting. I had it back in July and it's just weird how it affects people differently. I, I couldn't smell or taste, but I mm -hmm. was just tired for like a week and See, it really wasn't bad for me. It's just weird how that works. That's a symptom that a lot of my teammates got, but I never got that one. So, yeah, it's it hits different people in different ways. We hope everybody out there is staying safe, you know, socially distancing, uh, you know, just being mindful of the people around you and, and the chances of either distributing the, the COVID-19 uh, virus or, you know, keeping yourself as safe away from it as possible. So um, where so tell me, where exactly is Lithuania? in the Baltic region. <laughs> I don't know, so just, I don't know how familiar you're with. Like, is it crazy yeah. Cold? Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah. Today, I think it was like minus 13 Fahrenheit today, which is like minus 26, 27 <laughs> Celsius. So yeah, it's, yeah, I mean, it's it's pretty bad up here. Yeah. Um, I what I know. really wanted to get into though is today's game, obviously tough loss for the boys on the road in Indiana at Hinkle Fieldhouse against the Butler <laughs> Bulldogs. Uh, 
six turnovers in the first half, also foul trouble. They only went three, four, 11 from three. Uh, I know you said that you were able to catch a tail end of the first half and all of the second half. Um, down the stretch in the first half, what did you see? Uh, what do you think made it a little bit difficult for the guys to kind of get on track in the first half? So I tuned in with like four minutes left in the first half, and it just felt like what I could tell, just kind of a muddy first half. They just kind of clogged up the lane and forced our guys to shoot outside, and it just felt like a kind of muddy, nobody was in a rhythm on either side of the ball. And um, coming in the second half, obviously Denzel snapped and went crazy, and we were up 10 or 12. And I was sitting there the whole time thinking, like, if we could just scrape out a win, I don't care if it's by one point or by 40 points, it's a win without Zag. Uh, on the road that's huge and so um i thought i thought after we i think it was 10 point 10 or 12 points 11 points maybe we went up i was like you know what it's probably going to be game and then somehow denzel slowed down and i don't really know what happened on butler's side of the ball but they just kept chipping away it's not like they ever went on a big run at any point of the game and they just kind of chipped away and made it a close game um and then dude missed the layup going into overtime we we're fortunate for that but it would have been a shot clock violation probably but went into overtime and i thought we were going to win it because we have so many veteran guys and i thought it was going to be game then too um and then we just couldn't get it done so that hurts obviously um this is one of the first times i've seen our guys play this year and we're stacked up with talent a lot of athletes a lot of talent shooters got everything and so i don't know when zeg's going to come back how many more games you think he's going to miss uh, I have no idea. I know that they're really trying to be careful with them. You know, like a hamstring yeah. is one of those things like you really want to be back at 100 percent before you give someone the full green light to go. So, yeah, uh, obviously, it's the smarter thing for them to keep him out at the moment, especially if it's something that he's dealt with before. Uh, Coach Max said that he got it in, uh, oh, I think, when they were playing Providence uh, a couple games ago. Um, so they want to be careful with it, but no, you're right. We really saw the importance of Marcus Zagorowski, especially down the stretch, mm -hmm. uh, where, like you said, Denzel had it going. Uh, I think he ended up with 29 points mm -hmm. tonight. Uh, he had it going for him. He really kind of put him on his back and carried the load, especially in the beginning of the second half. Uh, but once he started slowing down, uh, once he put different multiple defenders on him, I think Thompson was sticking him for the rest of the game. Uh, yeah, Bella did a good job of crowding his space, slowing him down, getting him a little bit frustrated. Um, and there wasn't really that second score uh, to really complement what Denzel was doing in the second half today. And that's what something that we've seen over the years playing together um, back in, you know, 2012, 2013 is whenever Doug was rolling and then maybe he hit a cold, a cold spell or was sputtering a little bit, it's hard for the rest of the guys to get something going. And that's what I felt like kind of happened was Denzel kind of started sputtering, missing some shots. They kind of uh, focused in on him. And then I felt like n nobody else really stepped up and could make anything happen. And that's where I think like having Zag running high pick and rolls and creating for other people would have been like huge for them. So that was a tough loss. I mean, I, that's obviously a tough place to play. And road games are hard. And road games for a are difficult, reason, bro. The people don't understand reason. how hard it is to win on the road for real. Like people don't get it. It's it, it's, in, in the in most people, Jay. They most people think like, oh, the crowd and like ever the momentum in that is a huge thing, which it is. But like from my perspective, and you can probably attest to this too. Back in the day, is you're traveling the day before. You're out of your normal routine. You're sleeping in a hotel. Your shoot around varies the day before. It's like a whole different, you're in a different town, different city. Um, you probably didn't sleep as good in a hotel bed as you would at your bed. It's like the stuff outside of the court makes a huge difference to me as well. Yeah.
and the other part is like no crowd this year is also something that the guys are still getting used to. Yeah. I had uh, Damian Jefferson on the pod on episode four. If you guys have a chance, go check that one out too. It was a really cool conversation. We talked about him playing uh, in front of no crowd. And, you know, it, it, there's an adjustment period for those guys, not only at home, but obviously on the road too. Because when Butler keeps chipping away, chipping away, chipping away, you're expecting this huge roar from the crowd. And, you know, some guys love it. Some guys are intimidated by it. Uh, these guys really it's a totally different field because like that energy that you get off the crowd on the road too is is real and you could really yeah. help it could really help search a team that is like slowly making that climb down to help them climb back up again so yeah i saw that you know things like that are definitely gonna come into effect as the season goes on <clears throat> like you mentioned it was a tough tough road loss uh obviously it's a disappointing one i'm sure coach mack and the staff are, are disappointed they couldn't pull this one out but it's very difficult to win on the road, especially in the Big East. Yeah, absolutely. But I had fun. I had fun watching it, kick it back. I thought it was a really good game. I obviously, it would have been more fun to do this pod with a win, but we're still gonna have fun anyway. Yeah, um, yeah. But it, so here's a question I got for you. You've watched the Jays a lot more than I have. Um, so what does this squad have to do in order to make a run in the tournament this year? Because we we went to three tournaments. We won the first game, lost the second game, and we had some explosive teams, some firepower. What do these guys have to do in order to make a run? Because we, I mean, granted, we did get tough draws first and second year. We had North Carolina and Duke second round. We thought we had a good matchup with Baylor second round, junior year, your senior year. Um, we ended up being wrong. But what do these guys have to do in order to go deep? Because a lot of people think we could be a – you know, sweet 16 final four type team. Yeah. And I'm one of those people too. I yeah. have full confidence. Obviously I think coach Mack is one of the best coaches in division one basketball. I've been saying that for the longest, obviously I'm very biased in my opinion, yeah. <laughs> but I think, it, you know, obviously like success starts at the top and coach Mack is more than capable of bringing a team past the first weekend, which we haven't been able to do yet. You mentioned the draw, the draw is always something that, you know, that really matters. Uh, because matchup matters. And unlike, uh, you know, the NBA playoffs where it's like a seven game series, this is like one day, one game, anything can happen. Crazy. So yep. the draw is very important. Uh, you, like you mentioned with us, like we beat Alabama, lose to North Carolina, beat Cincinnati, lose to Duke, you know, beat Louisiana Lafayette, lose to Baylor in San Antonio, you know, in Texas where Baylor's from. So uh, yep. That matters a ton, but as far as the team is concerned, I think this is a really deep team. Um, they showed it last week against their in their win against St. John's. No Marcus Zagorowski, that was the first time that happened. They had six guys in double-digit scoring, able to kind of cruise their way through that game. Today, obviously, is a different story, playing on the road, uh, a different kind of environment. They don't end up pulling this one out, but this is a really deep team, a really talented team, a really athletic team, and a team that I think has really bought into you know, equal opportunity offense where on any given night, yeah. anybody yeah, could yeah. shine. Tonight was Denzel's night to shine. He ended up with 29 points. Uh, it could be Damian Jefferson. We spoke to him about that uh, on this week's pod. It could be obviously when Marcus Zagorowski is going to be a big part of that. He's the Big East preseason player of the year. And then a, a very tough game for Mitch tonight. You know, he didn't yeah. make a three, only scored two points, but we all know how dangerous Mitch could be. So, I have very high hopes for this team. I obviously I don't want to jinx them. Knock on wood. That's behind yeah. this. Uh, uh, right here. Too. I've got here. Yeah. But the uh, thing about it with guys like Mitch and guys like Ethan is even if they're not scoring, a lot of times they're impacting the game because you have to be holding their hand 
you know, it opens up the lane for guys to get to the rack and do other things like that. Because if Ethan didn't have a good game, they got somebody holding his hand just standing out there, you know, and that opens up the lane for anybody else. <laughs> this is why I needed you on the pod, because you have such a different way of looking at things. It's one of the things I've always appreciated about you, brother. I've used it as, or I've explained it as the gravity that Ethan, a guy like Ethan or a guy like Mitch uh, creates on the court because of they have their own gravity pull. A lot of defenders are really attached to them and it opens up the lane for everyone. You just yeah. called it holding someone's hand. Holding their hand. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's what it is. I mean, especially like with Ethan, he's the best shooter I've ever played with or seen. I'll take him against anybody. I do, I don't know. I'm not going to go there right now, but. Um, yeah, you just got to, I mean, that, and we saw that too after his Villanova performance, 27 points, hit like nine, nine threes. He probably yeah. dribbled the ball like once. But, and then <laughs> you saw games after that, guys just standing next to him, you know, not leaving right. him. But then that opens up the floor for guys like Chat and you and whoever else, mm-hmm. Grant. So that's that's another thing is even if, you know, for, for people watching this that watch the game and don't quite, you know, they think Mitch just had a bad game. Sometimes that it, it he is effective even if he's not scoring. Right. Because people have to hold his hand, obviously. Here, I got, I've got, I've got to mention something. I wish people would have seen us before we went live because it just completely sums up our relationship. <laughs> we hop, we haven't seen each other in probably a year and a half because uh, yeah, a year and a bit. down across the border. It was at Bros Arts a year and a half ago, and we hop on the live or no, we hop on the preview. It's not live yet, and we just both start yeah. laughing, and we hadn't even said anything, <laughs> and that completely sums up our relationship. I don't care if we hadn't seen each other in a week or if we hadn't seen each other in, like, 10 years. If we walk in a room together, we're going to be laughing for the next, like, two hours, and so that's why I was so fired up about this podcast. That, and that is the realest thing. Fun. That is the realest yeah. thing you've ever said, because that's honestly what the reaction was. The second I saw your face, I just started laughing, just started dying, <laughs> and, you know, obviously, you and I, we've been really good friends since we became teammates uh we've kept that relationship going i'm a pro now you're traveling all over the world selling some dope gear we're gonna get into that in a little bit but i feel like a lot of us have that relationship as well like i know you share that relationship with me but i'm pretty sure you share that with austin chapman i'm sure you share that with yeah. uh will artino yeah. you know whoever that you're gonna see next as soon as you see him it's like good vibes all around immediately it's like nothing's changed and that's how you know it's a good homie you walk in the room and nothing's changed mm-hmm which is awesome. And I know you and Doug touched on the Bahamas trip a little bit, so I won't really touch on it much, but mm-hmm. that was like basketball aside. I don't think we got a whole lot of out of it basketball wise. Cause we were beating these local teams by like 30 every game. But I think what we got out of it was we had Nevin, Jeff, myself, Austin new on the team had seniors graduating. It was a whole new mix of people. And we had an absolute blast for like a week. Right. It was like the right. most fun week ever. And we just became brothers after that. And so that's like, oh. The cool part about what we had that I don't think a lot of teams have is that we were all just like best friends and we still are, which is like one of the coolest things for me. It it set it all up. It was really the stepping stone into everything that happened after that. We're going to get into all of that in a little bit. You're (laughs) you're getting ahead of things a little bit. Let me let me set it up. Avery. we can have that conversation Uh, before we get off the game that we just watched. So obviously you played, you know, at at that two, three spot. Uh, We spoke about Denzel a lot, but he's going to various different ways he scored on the post up in the mid range attacking the basket off the dribble obviously catch and shoot threes i I think he even hit a pull up three uh what was obviously you played that spot too so that's why i'm asking you uh, what was impressive about his performance tonight just a different type of ways that he was getting his buckets and i haven't seen him play a lot but what i liked is when he got the ball in like the mid to low post because dudes can't guard him because he's so big and physical i mean the dude is jacked he's like what six five two twenty five something like that 
He's huge. And he's either going to get fouled or lay it up just about every time. And then once he gets that rolling, it's like it opened up the three. I don't know what his percentages are in the year shooting from three, but they were falling today. Uh, but it just opened up the rest of his game. I thought it was really cool how um, late in the first half and then early in the second half, he got the rock kind of at the mid post and just had a chance to like jab and get to the rack, either get fouled or get a bucket. All right, let's get into your career at Crane a little bit. Uh, this is one of my favorite questions to ask all the members who have showed up on the pod so far. Uh, I'm sure you had a bunch of different schools recruiting you. Uh, you were a superstar high school player. Why did you choose Creighton? And what were some of the other schools that you were thinking about going to? So I got recruited by um, Colorado, Iowa State, when, I, when Mac was at Iowa State, um, TCU, Missouri State, just about all the Missouri Valley schools, Wichita State. Um, and a handful of other ones. And so I just started going on a few visits. Missouri State was in my backyard. It was like 45 minutes away. Um, so I was really interested in going there. And then Lutz started calling me. And so I didn't know anything about Creighton at the time. You know, I started getting the, the letters from him, um, started talking to Lutz. Like he would call me at night and we would just talk for like an hour randomly, like whatever. Um, and so I was like, okay, I'm going to go visit these guys. I'm going to see what these cats are about. And so I go on a trip up there knowing nothing about Nebraska. And um, I thought I was like, I get there. My recruiting visit's not quite as cool as Austin's. I know he was, I know he was telling some crazy <laughs> stories me, about his recruiting that, visit. That story's my, in the past. If you want to see yeah, that story, my, go back to episode three, all right? Everybody go yeah, back to episode yeah, yeah, yeah. three. <laughs> so my, I didn't have quite as eventful of a visit, but it was like, Doug, you weren't there. It was in the summer. It was like Doug and Grant and Wayne and maybe Daryl. And we had a good time. And I just, what I didn't realize about Creighton is just the size of the town, how nice the city was. Um, and the thing that really drew me in was at the time, the Quest Center, and it'll always be the, always be the Quest in my heart. I know you too, and so that was the cool part to me. How many fans came to the game, and that was the main draw for me. Is that I thought we had an opportunity to be good. I didn't think we would be as I didn't know we would be as good as we were, but just the amount of fans that came to the games was the number one draw. And so I ended up picking Creighton over. Uh, it came down to Missouri State and TCU. Um, and so I didn't even go on those visits. I went to Creighton and it, I was sold. I was like, you know, this is the place for me. I got along well with um, Doug and Grant at the time. Mm -hmm. And Mac took me all around campus. We did the whole thing. It was in the summer, so not many people were here. Um, and and it, history ever since. You know, it's weird to right. think about if I would have gone to one, a different school and you think about the same thing. I wouldn't have met all the same guys, all my same mm -hmm. brothers. But um, it's awesome. It was. I'm. I'm so thankful that I landed on Creighton, and it was an unbelievable experience. You already mentioned the recruiting class of you, Austin, Jeff, and Nevin. Uh, that was Coach Max actually first recruiting class at CU. So you're an honorable member of that class. Uh, what was it about those three other guys and you uh, that that really shit that you guys built? Obviously, early on, you guys were hanging out all the time together. Uh, talk okay. about like, and I know you got, you're still friends with, with all those guys right now. So talk about like that relationship and, and how it blossomed into what it is today. Um, it's, it's something, I don't know if people understand that just watched us and supported us is that we literally did everything together. So like <laughs> from the moment we wake up in the summer, it's like, okay, we're going to weights. Then we're going to go do our class. Um, then we're going to go to play pickup. Then we're going to go, uh, team workout, individual workout. We're going to go eat. And then we're going to hang out, do whatever. And so we were in, we were the only ones on campus basically. And so during the summertime, that's how it blossomed is we were together 24 seven for, you know, two and a half months. We had the Bahamas trip and we shared, uh, uh, I think we were actually living in Kennethick and our rooms were right next to each other. So um, us four, Jeff, Nevin, Austin and myself became super tight immediately. 
and we've been tight ever since. I keep up with um, Austin quite a bit, Jeff a decent amount, and then not, not as much Nev, but um, those guys are awesome. We had a heck of a recruiting class. We had a blast in the summers. We had so much fun. Um, love those guys. They'll always be my brothers. But even even just going through the four years, like the amount of time we spent together, we were on campus the whole summer. We got a couple weeks in uh, August, and then we're back for um, September whenever school started. Um, but we literally wake up, go to weights, go to class. We we like literally eat together. We all room together. We travel together. We everything was to get study hall. We were all in the same room in study hall. And so, just the bond that that we built is something special that I think that I'm. I feel like I'm fortunate to have had that opportunity with you guys. I'm very thankful of you guys because once I moved out of Swanson, moved to Opus, and I'm in the psychology department. So my all my classes were way on campus right by where those dorms are you guys always say yo jay whenever you need to take a nap whenever you need to rest just hop into the room <laughs> so i think your bed became like the bed i was like okay no one's gonna be in here i'm just gonna take a nap here for an hour and that door was always open yeah. the people at the front desk would always let me in so shout out to you guys for always while got open door policy to that room in swanson for sure for sure so like i said before you're a big time high school player i already brought up your single season record i think it's still up right now is it not uh what is it and, uh, 705 points your senior year i think it's the most points uh, it is yeah it, Branson, it is <laughs> big then, time uh, at 46 my junior year which was a record at the time i think it still is for points in a game so i was get i was and it was it's funny because like the dip people don't really know like the, the difference in my high school and college careers are like night and day like out at branson i was like a bucket getter like that's all i did is score i shot you know 25 times 20 times like i shot a ton and our coach would put me on the worst defender on the other team and i would uh -huh. camp out in the paint and not play defense to save it all right. for offense and i was just camping the paint i knew my guy couldn't <laughs> shoot and so when i get to creighton it's like oh my god like i have to actually play de help side defense ranger right. drill, stuff like that and it was a whole like it was a whole different experience and that's what, ultimately what i got called out to do is play defense at creighton and that's like not anything like my whole life i was a scorer and so that was like a huge transition for me and like i struggled with it for a long time but i ended up picking up on it pretty good mm -hmm. um but yeah that's kind of that's kind of the thing is just i went from scoring to being called on basically to hit open threes rebound play defense know my role which you know i was fine with i contributed um but that's just kind of where i was i love that i don't even have to ask you the question like you're literally going into everything that i was about to ask you the question was literally uh, going from a big time scorer in high school to being asked yeah, to play a yeah. role mainly it's a hard, defensive hard. role yeah i wanted to know you know your mindset going through that, uh, it's a tough switch. And I trust me, I understand right. that. I've, I kind of lived through it as well. It's a tough switch to having the ball in your hands at all times where, you know, even like you mentioned, like your high school coach hid you on defense. And then now Coach Mack easily throwing you in a fire saying, hey, if you want to get on the court, you're going to have to do these things defensively. So what was your mindset? What was kind of like the difference in your approach to the game once you realized that's how that's what I need to do to get on the floor? Um, it was difficult, but I feel like I embraced it well because I ended up turning into a pretty good on-ball defender. You know, I can go into this too. Like whenever we were on the court together, both of us, we complimented each other very well because your 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 strength on defense was chasing the Ben Simons of the world, Colt Ryan's off of screens. You were super good at staying on their hip, chasing off screens. I wasn't good at that. I was gassed. I was like, I don't want to do that. And so I was good at guarding the Ravante Rice ISO type guys. So right. whenever we switched from the 
from the Valley to the Big East, defensively for me, I thought it was an easier transition because in the Valley, you're constantly chasing guys off screens. And then you get to the Big East and there's a little bit more ISO, a little bit more one-on-one. And I felt more comfortable in those situations. But it was a really hard transition. And um, coming off the bench is something that I had never done in my entire life. And I did it for most of my career at Creighton, my first two years. And then I started eight games, my, I think eight games my junior year. Junior when year hurt. Yeah. And then uh, in Big East play. And then I think senior year, about half the games, maybe 60% of the games I started. But um, coming off the bench is kind of what I did. And, and people don't realize how hard that is. You don't really have experience in college with that because you started all four years, correct? You're uh, all four years. I, the first half of my freshman year, I came off the bench. I actually came off the bench enough in Valley play to make all bench team. So, yeah, yeah I, I think it go. was like my first start was against like Indiana State halfway through that Valley stretch. Yeah. And then I just kind of never looked back after that. And it's tough. And it was tough for me because it's one of those things we would warm up for hour and a half before the game. Yeah. You know, and then and then we tip off and you could be sitting on the bench over there just getting ice cold for 15, 20, 30 minutes, whatever. And then you get thrown in the fire and be expected to be warmed up against the guy that's been in the game for 15, 20 minutes. Mm -hmm. And that's something I struggled with, um, honestly, throughout my whole career coming off the bench was just the fact from going from I'm ready to play right now to sitting on the bench for who knows how long and getting ice cold. And that's a really, really challenging thing, especially whenever you, you know, you catch the rock and you try to put up a three as quick as you can. That was my philosophy my first two years. I said, I'm going to put up a three as quick as I can when I get in the game my first two years because it just everything goes away after that. Your your pregame hitters, <laughs> your legs get under you. You just take a shot. If it goes in, great. If it doesn't, then you're, you're 10 times more relaxed. And so that's kind of how I felt. But, um, yeah, it was challenging. It was super challenging. And everybody that plays Division One basketball at the level we did yeah. – um, they were the best player on their t- high school team or second best player. They were the stud, you know, the superstar. Okay. And so you go from that to college basketball where you've got a, you're really, really talented and good, but you have to change roles and come off the bench. I think it's challenging for a lot of guys out there. That's why I have so much respect for anybody that comes off the bench. One of my favorite games that I saw you play was obviously freshman year against Iowa. Uh, you came off the bench. That's the picture you put up. That's the picture. I was just about to say, that's the picture on Twitter that I put up for another that we're going to be on the pod. I think that was the first time that I was like, man, this kid can actually really, really shoot. Obviously, you and I, we spent plenty hours in the gym shooting together, rebounding for one another after practices, getting some extra shots up. Uh, but I think that was the first game. I think it might have been like our third game of that year, too. Uh, yeah. And you just at it was in Des Moines against Iowa. Um, at, man, you came out on it was fire. Wells Fargo. It was Wells Fargo. It was well, yeah, Wells Fargo Wells Arena. Fargo, yeah. Yeah. What was that feeling like? It's your freshman year, like in a big time environment. Half the crowd is in yellow. The other half is in blue. Obviously, you know how much this game means to us because when we're in the Valley, like let's make no bones about it. A lot of big time schools a lot of power five schools were avoiding playing a school like us because they they understood they had yeah. a big chance of getting upset so right. you getting into that game as a freshman you're lighting up the world what was that feeling like for you were you like damn i'm, I'm here like i belong <laughs> it was so cool yeah it was so cool and that was kind of at the point that even all of us on the team we didn't know how how good we were going to be you know it was still early in the season it was uh your sophomore year my freshman year and we didn't quite know how good we were going to be. So we weren't ranked, I don't think. And we were just out there, like, trying to make the most of it. And then we come out there and slap Iowa, like, absolutely slap them. And I don't think any of us saw it coming. I thought we were talented and we had a good shot. But we're up by, like, 30, 
like early right. in the second half. And all my shots are fine. I think I hit all four threes in the first half. Um, and then a couple free throws in the second half. But it was it was so fun. That was one of my most memorable ga- memorable games because it was early. First few games, you know, yeah. we played this big environment, Des Moines neutral site, and we come out and just smack them. And I think that was kind of the turning point where we look around and we're like, hey, we're legit. Like, we have yeah, a we chance. Got, we got some cooking here. Yeah. yeah, we got something going. So, that, yeah, that was epic. And then we rode back on the bus, I think. And I think – the most ran this is like the most random team meal we ever had. I think Mac like got off and went and got like a bunch of like cheeseburgers at McDonald's and brought oh, them back on the, right. on the drive the back. You remember yeah. that? It was the weirdest thing ever. We, we stopped in West Des Moines on the right back. Yeah, yeah. And then he picked up like a bunch of like double cheeseburgers and brought them on the bus and yeah. we drove back a couple hours. And it was like the most random, like we never did that again in, yeah. like, in the four years, but it was all Damn. good times. I totally forgot about that. Yeah, he he sure did stop by that McDonald's on the way out of Des Moines, and I haven't thought about that ever since. That's crazy, and especially <laughs> Coach Mac. He's so particular about you know obviously eating healthy and all that stuff. So yeah, you're right. That was we never did that ever again. We never did that, and then also another funny thing that we did was um, we flew everywhere. We would fly on the on the private planes. Obviously, we would fly to. Mm-hmm. Uh, was it Cedar Falls? Yeah, right? Cedar, you, and I, and it was just, you and I. Yeah, and it was literally a 30-minute flight, and it was like a three-hour bus ride. We would like literally ascend and descend, and we were there. And so it was like, okay, we fly everywhere. And then I think it's like our freshman – maybe freshman year, we're playing New Year's Eve at oh, Wichita yeah, State. Oh, yeah, at Wichita State, and, yep. and, we, and we, busing, won. You know, we We bust down there, and we're looking around. We're like, what the heck is going on? Like, why are we taking yeah. a bus? Five and a half, six hours. Like, this is terrible. Like, what are we doing? And then we win the game, whatever. We're driving back, and then it hits us. And we're like, wait a second. We're not going to get back to Omaha until, like, 2.30 in the morning. Uh-huh. They didn't want us going out. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and I guess, like, they didn't want us going out because they knew us, and they said, if, they, if these guys get a win on New Year's Eve, and we get back to Omaha at a reasonable time. These guys are going to be out, as Lou would say, out, yeah. bro. They were the, out. So, the yeah, other, that's, the that's, other that's time that I true. think it was a like a strategic one was obviously my senior year, your junior year, when we beat Marquette, first Vicky's game yep. ever. <laughs> we beat Marquette. The crowd is going crazy. Sweet Caroline is being chanted all across CenturyLink Center at the time. One of my favorite we get memories. back to the locker room and Coach Mac is like, yeah, so we got a hotel for you guys out in West Omaha. You guys need to report by whatever time it was, by midnight was or whatever. It was 1230. Yeah. And so we went to the J. We, I, at least I did. I went to the J with my <laughs> friends that were in town. I took a shot with them at midnight. And then uh-huh. uh, I rode with somebody out there to, I forgot what hotel it was, but we rode out there and we had to stay the night. We were all so salty about that. We were like, we right. all had friends and family in town. And we were like, come on, guys. This, you know what I'm saying? Right I get here. Where you you miss this spot right here, don't you? <laughs> I do, I do. And I the welcome to the J. Whenever I saw that name, I was like, that is the perfect name for this podcast. But at the same time, yeah. we can't go into too many details about the J. You know, RIP <laughs> is a phenomenal institution, a phenomenal facility. Mm-hmm. Um, they took care of us. That was great, but we won't go into all the details. So many good memories of you, Abe. And when we see each other in the summertime, like I, like you said in the top of the broadcast. Uh, this is the first time I've seen each other in person in like a year and a half, obviously due to COVID and all that stuff. Yeah. You have a funny statement that you say to me every time that you see me, you always say, Jay, oh, no. what is it? you always say, Jay, it always feels like you're still a sophomore and I'm still a freshman. Oh, why? Okay. <laughs> why do you, why do you feel that way 
about like uh, obviously i mean that, that's when i first met you and all that stuff that's when the friendship started blossoming but why is it that you always feel the need to remind me that like i'm still a sophomore and you're still a freshman <laughs> james look how funny this is i jotted down a couple notes of things that i wanted to bring up to you on this podcast and look it was at the very top of the list james is the sophomore <laughs> Seriously, I, that was the first thing I wrote down. Before. I wanted to bring up a few things with you. And yeah. that is literally like the top of the list. And the reason is, is because my freshman year, you were the guy that was like nice enough to take us all under your their wing. And you had one year under the uh, under your belt with experience. Mm-hmm. And uh, we get hey, little who, who's this little guy, that little Moosey? This is my little son, Moose. He's 12 yeah. weeks old. He's nice. the man. He's walking around. But anyway, you're the nice to the guy. Jay, Moose. Welcome to the J. Welcome to the J, little boy. So he so you literally like taught us all the secrets and like what to expect out of class and practice and this and that and where to go and like, you know, places in Omaha. And so I always laugh about it because you were the sophomore and I was the freshman. So you were always hanging out with us. The upperclassmen weren't. And you were like always in the car with us, going to eat with us, doing this and that. And so ever since then, I've always just viewed you as the sophomore and I'm the freshman. And I think you have, I think you feel the same way though. I, I do. Right? Well, whenever you say it to me, I it like, it brings me back to that time. And it was a yeah. really good time. Like legitimately, I, I didn't know too much, but what I knew I wanted to share with the new guys coming in. And that's just kind of the phrasing that you have on it. And I just, I love it. It makes me happy. It makes me think about all these good memories that we've had over the years. Uh, I wanted to get into, obviously, like going back and playing against Missouri State when we were in the Valley. I remember that week that you knew that Missouri State was coming up on the schedule. You were always so geeked. You're always so excited to go back home and play in that gym. I want to ask if that was your favorite uh, road game to play in, or is there another spot in the Valley or in the Big East that you really like playing on the road? That's tough. It was always fun playing at Missouri State because it's back home for me. I had a ton of friends and family there at the game. It was always fun. And they really wanted me to go there, um, the coaching staff and the city of Springfield. Um, so that was a fun one. I think as far as other fun road games, um, San Diego State freshman year was insane. That was a lot of fun. That, um, that was crazy. Playing at the Garden is always when amazing. He was on the pod too. They were good. I mean, they, the team was good, but the fans were good too. The student section, they were roasting me. A-Y. Like they, had, they were I great. Like, like the night before we left there, I was at the Cheesecake Factory and I was leaving and the server like wrote her number down on a napkin and like gave it to me, the server at the restaurant. And so I took a picture of it and like that was when social media was like at its infancy. And yeah. so we didn't really know like what to put on, what you to didn't not. Think too like, much of like, it. Yeah, you thought it would be funny. It was like, oh, well, whatever. Like thought it'd be funny. And then mm-hmm. I get there and they have a big poster like with the girl's name and like all this stuff about that, that like printed off. So they, they did a good job with that. And I thought that was one of the tougher places to play along with Wichita. I think Wichita was fun because we would get there like we'd go out there an hour and a half before warmups and they would have the tunnel that we walked out to warmups an hour and a half early. They would have the fans, the students mm-hmm. just leaning over screaming at you yelling at you um i thought wichita was fun and then the garden was awesome obviously too when you play st john's at the garden that was i mean it's the mecca so like anytime it didn't matter who you play that's the that's one of the best places nothing tops the garden in my opinion but i mean i do remember san Diego state when they started yelling i believe that we would win i've always heard about that channel obviously growing up in canada and stuff like that but to actually experience a real big student section yelling that and 
they were jumping up and down and you could feel the gym shake because remember it was kind of like an underground gym right it's not it wasn't built yeah up. you walk in and down. down yeah yeah so it's like it was just kind of like an echo chamber and you could hear like the feet rattling the bleachers bouncing up and down so yeah that, that was, was so cool that was cool i forgot about that i believe that we will win and they were jumping yeah. up yeah that was one of the coolest experiences for sure it's, it's right hard to imagine the guys no, no, go ahead, go it's ahead. Hard for me to, it's hard for me to imagine the guys playing now without fans or minimal fans just because, mm -hmm. you know, we scrimmaged Iowa, Iowa State. Those got, like, scrimmage at the C-Link with nobody in there, and it was just, like, it was terrible. And yeah. so it's hard to, like, get yourself all fired up for that. And so, like, I, I feel for those guys, especially the guys last year that got the, the you know, the tournament got canceled because of COVID. You know, they, I mean, what were we ranked last year, seven or something at the, at the Big East tournament? I, I believe no, no, no. They were no. They had won the regular season championship, so they were one. They were playing. No, I'm talking like I'm talking like in the country. Oh, I I'd have to go back and look at those. Uh, I think they were rankings, seven. But... So they were gonna get. I mean, they the good chance they win the uh, the tournament. If not, then they're they're gonna be like a two three seed in March Madness. Like my heart goes out to those guys. That's horrible. Like I can't imagine you know going through the whole season grinding. And then all of a sudden they say, no, no, March Madness, you can't do that. That's tough. I thought last year was a, their best chance to make it past that first weekend. And yeah. first time in current history, like we're still chasing that elusive uh, Sweet 16, uh, Elite Eight type of run. I'm, I'm convinced that they can get it this year. But it, it still it baffles me with all the great teams that we've had, you know, that we haven't been able to make it past that first weekend. I think about like Kyle Korver yeah. teams. Nate Funk, Anthony Tolliver, like all the yeah. legends that you hear about that we couldn't make it past. Doug first McDermott. weekend is kind of weird. Doug, oh, obviously, Doug. I didn't want to bring Doug it up because we were a part of that, bro. We were a part of that. <laughs> I know. Uh, but so the, so the year that I thought we had the best chance, obviously, we we know we're stacked up freshman. Or my Your sophomore year against uh, mm -hmm. North Carolina when they were stacked. Your soft, or My sophomore year, we're stacked up against Duke. It's like that's, you yeah. know. And then junior year, we have Lafayette, Alfred Payton. We get the win. We're going into Baylor sitting there like, hey, we're going to make these guys shoot over us. Like, right. we're going to go under ball screens. We're going to go under down screens. We're going to make them shoot over us and live with the results. Mm -hmm. And they splashed every single Everything. three they shot. And if we would have played them on any other night, it would have been a different outcome. Like, these guys were just splashing threes. And, I, and it was the first time, like, Jahens, we had always had the, like, we, run, we ran and get, gunned. We didn't really have, like, the best defense. We were good enough on defense, but we outscored people. And Mac never really acknowledged acknowledged that at all. But I remember sitting in film in where were we? San Antonio, and we were playing Baylor the next night. And we, I was dying at this because Mac was like, we "We're going through all the film. How we're going under the screens, under the ball screens, under the down screens. Make them shoot over us." And He's like, shoot, if they make the shot, we're going to go down and score more than them. We're going to go down and shoot threes and score more than them. And and he said that for the first time in San Antonio. And that was, it was true. But at the same time, they just hit every shot and we got out-athleted by other athletes. <laughs> we did to get out-athleted by other athletes that yeah, night. We did. For sure. <laughs> All right. So, Avery, you and Ricky Crick will come up with one of my favorite times of the year. We dubbed it Brozarks. Uh, you mentioned it earlier in the podcast. I want you to kind of explain like your first thought. I think there's been like five Brozarks. I've been a part of four of them. Uh, yeah. Talk about Brozarks, like where you guys got that idea from and how year by year it's grown into what we all as former players, you know, friends of each other, 
uh, is something that we all look forward to every single summer. So it was something that I think it was a year or two after we graduated. And it was one of those things that in high school and college, like you don't have to put in any effort to be around your friends 24 seven, like high school, it happens. College we're, we're around, whether we like it or not, we're around each other all the time. And then you graduate college. And I think a year had passed and it was like, wait a second, we're all, we're all going our different directions. Where, I'm in Yeah. Where are these cats? You're, you're who knows where. And so we're sitting there and we're like, Hey, let's get all the boys back and let's, let's like make a weekend with everybody in the same room. And so I think it was two years after I graduated, maybe three years after you graduated that we say, okay, we're going to go up to Lake of the Ozarks in Missouri, a couple hours North of Branson. And we're going to get as many of the boys back as we can. And I think it started out like it was you, Ricky, big swag. Yeah. Well, uh, it was like six of us. Yeah. Yeah. And that was it. And then the next year it grew a little bit and the next year it grew a little bit. And then two years ago, we had like 20 guys there. Yeah. And <laughs> honestly, it's like euphoria to me. It's like one of the, it's like the best weekend of the year because like we talked about earlier on the pod, we're all such good friends and we don't see each other, but once or twice a year and that's it if we're lucky. And so we get together up at Ricky's, uh, Ricky Kreklo's parents' lake house and we just have a blast. And it's something that we have to keep going forever just because you just realize how like short life is and how much you love those around you and life's about relationships. And so that's what it taught me. And so I just, I look forward to that every year. I was super bummed. I couldn't do it. It's crazy. I haven't seen you in a year and a half, but like talking to you right now, it's like, dude, I feel like I saw you like last Nothing's week. changed. Yeah. Nothing's changed. <laughs> yeah. It's, so that's it's really crazy, crazy to me. Cause like, uh, like Ricky is a guy I didn't play with. He, uh, transferred in after yeah. I graduated but it's just like that that Creighton family is real because obviously I come back to Omaha I train in the summertime I met Ricky on his visit I had played against yeah. him a couple of times when he was at Cal right so I knew of yeah. the guy didn't know I was going to grow to be such good friends with him even to this day and then uh -huh. you guys have this thing where like we are we're at a lake house for a weekend and and we could chill on the dock we could go swim in the lake all that stuff ride the jet skis yeah. and everything like it, it's really like kind of therapeutic because like you mentioned i'm overseas a bunch of other guys overseas uh obviously doug is in the nba other guys who aren't playing anymore are working their nine to five yeah. they're traveling they're doing whatever some yeah. guys have family uh but it's the one weekend where the boys could be boys and we could just go hang out chill talk catch up we have a session called real talk where we just go and express everything that's been uh on our minds for the whole year and, and a million uh, beers and just have a good time yeah. right go to yeah. shady gators it's, it's it's literally the best weekend ever and i hope that yeah. it happens next next year um but i hope we do some i think at some point we'll outgrow ricky's lake, lake house, house. We'll yeah. somewhere else yeah we'll have to yeah. but every year we have to make it a point because that's something else I've learned is like how intentional you have to be to keep up with people that you care about after right. high school, college, because everybody's so busy. It's like you have to put in like effort every week, every month in order to like stay in touch with guys like you and Doug and Will and Austin and those guys. When I talk to you, bro, it's like, like I'm still the sophomore and you're still the freshman. That's all that I, I, I love it, man. This is so great. So I love what you're doing now. Uh, you tried to play pro basketball overseas for one year after college. You weren't a fan of your experience. You and I have had plenty of conversations about that. But what you're doing now currently is you're working for the company that your father built. Uh, I don't want to call you a traveling salesman. I know you do much more than that. But I mean, you yeah. mentioned already that you do a bunch of traveling. You you test out products. You test out you know different fabrics and stuff like that that goes into 
uh, the designs of, of what you and your father produce. Uh, talk about what it's been like kind of growing your father's company. Uh, you guys have expanded a bunch in the last couple of years from the things that you've told me. Talk about like what that experience is sure. like. And also, uh, you know, the team dynamics that you were in before, obviously playing for CU, how that's affected you as a nine to five guy who, who goes and who have to have conference meetings and talk to a bunch of people and get everybody on the same page. For sure. No, whenever uh, I finished up at Creighton, I didn't know what I was going to do. I wasn't going to play basketball anymore. So I started applying for jobs everywhere. And I was highly sought after because Creighton's a good school and because uh, companies like athletes, they like people that have been a part of a team already and are competitive and have a worth, work ethic. And so I learned that from that that's highly sought after. Um, and I, ultimately, I decided, you know, I have the opportunity to play in Europe. So I'm going to do that for for a season. I, I, I didn't know how long I was going to do it, but I said I have to explore that opportunity. Um, and so I did it for a year. I got hurt. I didn't have the best year because we didn't even have a trainer over there. I mean, I was just I cranked my ankle and I literally some, was some like limping shady, around trying to bro. Play. Some so it was shady, it like... was shady. They stopped paying yeah. us. I mean, I, this could be a whole segment. We could talk like an hour about this. It was crazy <laughs> experience, but it was yeah. cool. And I'm glad I did it. I traveled all over Europe, uh, but then I came back on like a Saturday in March. And my dad's like, hey, I got a job opening as a salesman in the Texas territory. You want to do that? I was like, okay, good. Like bet, let's do it. And so I got back on a Saturday from being Avery Dingman, the basketball player my entire life to now no longer a basketball player going into the real world on a Monday. So I literally took Sunday off, went into work on Monday. And then that just started the whole, you know, that was almost five years ago now, which is crazy to think about. Um, but it's been, it's been, yeah, it's been good. We've been, I, I think I've got the coolest job ever. I get to design shoes and sell shoes, travel all over. We've got a cool family business. My mom, dad, brother, sister are all involved. Um, so it's been awesome. And, and obviously the team aspect applies to every single business because rather than looking at your, your business as individuals, we're all a team. And if we need somebody to, to come over here and, and, help out in another department or do something that's not a part of their job responsibilities. It's all a team. And so it's been cool. I feel fortunate. Like I said, the reason I'm here in Branson is because of my family and my family business or else I'd probably be somewhere else. Um, but it's cool. It's a really cool brand. It's a cool opportunity. And so that's what, that's what I've been doing, exploring that. Every time I see you post a new product, I'm like, what do I always text? I'm like, when's my package coming in? Every so I'm putting you live on blast. When should I be expecting my Digman? uh accessories gear shoes i'll put you at the i'll put you on blast at the same time i'll <laughs> i'll get the dingman care package belts shoes whatever whenever you come to the box branson okay can we shake on it can we shake I'll on it, it right here let's go <laughs> okay so whenever you come down here i got you covered all right hey, easy money we're gonna make that happen for sure brother Avery, thank you here's, so much for your time, bro. Here's a few things. I've got a couple for you. Uh -huh. All right. I made a note of some things I thought was funny, and <laughs> I want you to pick one of them for us to talk about, okay? Okay. All right. Okay. So I'm going to list off a bunch of things, and then we're going to talk about it for a few minutes, and then I know it's late over where you are, so we'll get off yeah. the pot. Um, I, was, I was literally about to sign out, but I love that you're extending the pod a next five, 10 minutes. Let's get it done. Let's do it. Um. Okay, so first team taxed, just that whole origin. Okay, Ross at Club Hurricane and being hungover at uh, Atlantis the next day. Uh -huh. Ethan, 
kissing Chat's grandma on the neck. Uh-huh. Uh, the Jones <laughs> premiere. I know you're saving that for the Jones pod, but the Jones premiere practiced the next day, getting called <laughs> off early. Um, and then Max, very subtle way of saying, I'm going to kick your guys' ass that didn't play 25 minutes the next day. Oh, and then uh, big country Jeff Grossell cursing around kids whenever we had practice. <laughs> okay, this is so funny because half of the things that you mentioned, I actually have on the show. I know, I know. I made, I, I, I made a list of things. Uh, no, no, no. So let's talk about Team Taxed because you are, look, this is one of my favorite stories. So for those of you that don't know, it's uh, about to be two a days, Avery's freshman year, I believe. Nike ID had the Kobe eights, I think it was at that point, or Kobe six, seven, I'm not sure. But one of the Kobe pairs was on Nike ID and you could obviously personalize your shoe. Avery orders a royal blue, white, and neon shoe that he can personalize on the green. back on the back of them. Yeah. Um, uh, neon green, sorry, did I say neon blue? Neon green. Uh, on the back of it, he puts on Team Taxed, and everybody was like, what? <laughs> so what are you doing? You have Team you, on the left, Taxed on the right heel. You're, you're the originator yeah. of Team Taxed. You're the captain of Team Taxed. Please explain to the world what Taxed means for you and why you made it such an expression that I still personally use to this day. Everyone that plays around you, I'm sure, still use it in their speech pattern. And there's another it, thing uh, about the speech it, pattern that you have that we're going to talk about as soon as you answer this. Yeah. So go ahead. I, so Team Tax evolved because I got to Creighton, and I'm used to the high school basketball lifestyle. I get to Creighton, and they're they're putting us through the ringer, you know, just right. weights and conditioning and pickup and everything. And then you get into season, and you don't have time to hardly breathe. I mean, we're busy from 7 a.m. until 10 p.m. every single day. And so I just was, I was tired all the time. I was exhausted. <laughs> And I literally felt like I was a zombie at class every day. And so I was like, oh, my God. And so for some reason, I started saying, like, bro, Jens, I'm taxed. I got tank today. Like, that's it, taxed. And so then uh, and then, so then, so I said team tax on those shoes whenever I – well, I never played in them, but I, I wore them in practice. And I said team tax. <laughs> and uh, everybody thought it was hilarious. And everybody still hits me with that, uh, Doug and you and Zach and – TC and everybody still says team tax, I'm tax. So that's kind of where it originated. It was exhausting and I was always exhausted. So, I mean, I just like, even walking upstairs during the day, I was like, my legs, like I was just tired all the time. Right. So that's that's kind of how the origin of the team tax. So you also had a bunch of different phrases to explain how taxed you were. One of my favorite ones was I'm running on E. Humes, <laughs> brother, I'm taxed. Oh my goodness. Uh, another thing that I remember you kept saying is oh, you could be at 100% going into old gym as soon as you walk up that spiral staircase. <laughs> what happens to you, Avery? Dude, old gym is the most depressing building in America. <laughs> People, like, if you walk into old gym, like, you need to, like, pop an antidepressant because that place is terrible. And sometimes I look at, and this might be my selfish nature, but sometimes I look at, these guys on the team and I'm like they don't know what it's like to show up at old gym every day no windows no nothing go to the locker room you know it's cold in there it's usually like rainy and snowy in Omaha you stumble into old gym you go in the locker room get changed for practice your body is like achy from the day before and cold and then you watch film next door with a with a like a tv that I have up right here just like a little tv and 
then you walk up the spiral stair. You go upstairs to practice. A little rinky dink, like it, it could have given out at any moment. And so you walk up that spiral staircase, and then you're there at the old gym. They had the the windows that couldn't let light in, and the floors were basically concrete with like laminate floors on top. So like your knees would. It was old gym. Like we came from the mud, coming from old gym. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like, and I feel bad for you. And uh, I was gonna say you had that one year when you practiced that championship. How much of an upgrade was that? How, how fortunate are the boys right now that they have championship center? I feel bad for you guys because you and you guys like were the like the you guys like helped pioneer like lead the way from like taking Creighton from a mid major to like a high major, and we got this like I think it was supposed to be fifteen million dollar facility and it went up to seventeen million. They went over budget and it was insane, and so I went from that to waking up at Opus and walking across the street to championship center. And it was <laughs> right. unbelievable. It was so cool. And I like, it was the coolest experience ever. And now these guys get four years there. It's obviously a good recruiting tool, but I feel terrible for you guys. Cause it's like, come on, like, couldn't you guys at least get one year in there? It was amazing. I look, I take full advantage of it when I'm back in Omaha. So I'm, I'm not complaining anymore. The years that I spent in old gym has paid off and now I get to, ch to chill at championship center in the summertime when I get back there and I train. So Hey, it, it wasn't meant to be for us. I think we were, it was supposed to open my senior year, but unfortunately they just they couldn't get it done on time it, it'd be like that sometimes but i'm very fortunate like i get back in the summertime me and coach mac are still cool i still have access to the gym and you know yeah. uh, ben is still there as a trainer so he helps me out a bunch and then uh coach bailey was there they got a new champ conditioning guy now but coach bailey was there to help me out and, and help me get stronger so i, I mean i uh, say that again sorry is, is bailey still there is he still uh, I'm I'm not sure. I'm not sure right now, yeah. but yeah. That's my guy. I love Coach Bailey. Great guy. I love Coach I love Coach Bailey too. But yeah, we we got to wrap it up. Avery, it looks like you're gonna have to come back and do a part two. Avery Dingman part two on whatever number episode it's gonna be. I feel like we I feel like we were just getting warmed up. I feel like I we finally just got the rust <laughs> off and we like as Mac would say we got the kinks out. We got the rust uh, off and you know, get the lungs burning and. Right. Uh, like we could keep rolling for a couple more hours, but I know it's probably, what time is it where you're at? It's 12.37 AM right now. Yeah. So a little, a little bit past that time. Yeah. I know I'm being selfish. I want to keep talking. I know we <laughs> had a while and I told, I told you that uh, I literally, when you texted me and said that you wanted to do this pod, I almost FaceTimed you and I said, you know what? We haven't FaceTimed in a while. I'm going to save it all for the pod to make it uh -huh. organic. And like, we haven't talked on the FaceTime for a couple months, which is rare um and so anyway i miss you i've told you yeah, this a million bro. times if and when i get married you're gonna be up there with me you're my guy <laughs> I'm be up i can't wait to see you again i hope we can hammer out the Rosarks again this year I'm, I'm here for all of that bro i'm writing down on my notepad right now that i need to invite you back for part two because you mentioned about um, nine nine to ten stories there that we couldn't really get to but we definitely are gonna have to get to it one day so for part two, we're going to skip the basketball talk at the beginning. It will be on a day that there wasn't even a game. And we're just going to bring up stories from the past because we have hundreds of them. And I, I have a whole – I've got a whole list of things right here that we yeah, didn't even get. We can you're spend coming 30 more prepared than the host, brother. You're coming more prepared, more prepared than the yeah. host. That's funny. Yeah, we need to do a part two. Um, again, thank you for having me on. I know it was a little later than I would have wanted to, um, but I appreciate it. And I love those guys that came before me, obviously, Doug. And yeah. was it Ethan, Chat, and then Damien came before me. So 
anyway, you need to get some rest, brother. Good to see yeah. you. Talk again right, soon. We're, we're going to wrap this up. This has been another Welcome to the J podcast, episode five, with my boy Avery Dingman. Don't forget to like and subscribe uh, to the Field of 68 Media Network. Uh, follow all the good stuff that we're doing. Um, there's a lot of cool content from other guys, represent their alma maters as well. Avery Digman, man, we're going to catch up, bro. Miss you, dog. Stay safe, obviously. Um, and I can't wait to see you again. Go Jays. Stay safe, everyone. All right, man. Love you, man. Take care. Love you, brother. Yes, sir.